we put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey, you're listening to the Swap Moto Live podcast presented by our friends at Fly Racing. Uh, I'm Don Maeda, and today I'm joined by my buddy Drew Rohde, who is, uh, he's actually kind of like, uh, he's like my brother from another mother in a different sport. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Drew was, uh, you're an editor at Decline Magazine, which was a, a mountain bike magazine that focused on the gravity side of the sport, correct? Yeah, we were uh, definitely biased towards uh, downhill, enduro, and, and kind of the free ride uh, side of the spectrum. A little bit less of the spandex, which I know you're a fan of. Oh, come on now, man. <laughs> <laughs> so how long were you an editor at Decline? Um, you know, I think I worked there for about, uh, I think it was seven years, man, seven or eight years. Yeah. And uh, the magazine, how long was its lifespan? Dude, I think it was around for, God, it might have been like, for, yeah, I'm going to have to friggin' look that one up, I guess, but I think it was about 15 years or something like that. It could have been between 10 and 15. It was definitely, God, no, it must have been closer to 20, actually, um, because I was a fan for a long time, which was kind of how I got my foot in the door. I ended up meeting one of the old editors when I was working at a bike shop and uh, always thought the dude had a dream job, so I, I would just kind of pester him being the little shop grom kid if i could <laughs> yeah. clean up the warehouse or ship bikes back or whatever and eventually like 10 years later it paid off mm-hmm. okay so you were uh your editor at decline life was yep. good firing on all cylinders and uh kind of got the rug pulled out from under you i understand right yeah man it was uh it was it was crazy i had moved from southern california up to bend oregon um just to be a little bit more into a uh, you know, mountain bike friendly and, uh, area, right. Some place I could afford a house and, and my dream was to own a place. So, uh, yeah, obviously the prices in Oregon are a lot cheaper than California. So I bought a house, um, and like three or four months later, my biggest fear happened, right? Like I just, I woke up, um, in the morning, got a phone call from Dave and, uh, they literally said, Hey, if you've got any stuff left down here at the office, tell one of the guys to take it home with him you today. Cause, uh, I'm, I'm shutting the doors. And that, that was it, man. Like the end, Never, he shut his phone off. We shut our emails down. My cell phone got shut down and, uh, never heard from him since. Well, was it, uh, completely out of the blue or, I mean, man, I, I remember the magazine it didn't seem like it was healthy. Yeah, you know, it was, um, I mean, we'd had meetings in the past and, uh, you know, we discussed about, you know, maybe reducing the number of, uh, you know, printed issues every year and, and, you know, toyed with the notion of having online, you know, versions and, you know, being that I had moved out of the office, I guess maybe I was a little bit more removed from, from some of the other guys that were in office, um, but there wasn't a ton of signs. Um, you know, I mean, we knew things were tight. We saw, you know, budgets getting smaller. We saw, you know, the stress and, and stuff going on, but we had no idea that it was, you know, at, at that level. I mean, we'd literally gotten back, 
um, about a month and a half before that, I, I had organized a big trip. We'd rented a, an Airbnb house up in uh, Northern California, and we took like 15 bikes, and we were doing like our bike of the year issue, mm-hmm. which which we presented every year to, to uh, the industry at Sea Otter, which was in April. And, um, you know, it just, it was hard for me to believe that they'd approve this big trip and we'd go out of town with all these bikes and all these test riders and do something only a month later to get the phone call they're they're shutting the doors. Wow. So, I mean, the guy didn't give you any, no, two weeks. I mean, did you get a severance? Uh, we got paid for the rest of the month. It, he, we got a phone call. It was February 14th. I th- is that Valentine's day? That's Valentine's day. Yeah. So I, cause I remember that cause, uh, my, my, at the time fiance who had moved up like a month before and didn't have a job yet mm-hmm. was, um, she's like, well, that's a great Valentine's day present. And I was, you know, cause it just didn't seem real, you know, yeah. it was just like, that was kind of how I remember it. So yeah, I got, I got paid through the month of February. Um, and that was, uh, that was the end of that. Yeah, man, it's pretty crazy, huh? Like, I think through the course of the 19 years at Transworld, I had four or five different owners. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And pretty much like the first time, I was still so new. I was just like, what? I was in Florida when I got the news that we were bought. And uh, nothing really changed. You got a different email address or a different logo on my business card, right? And yeah. As time progressed, you know, every time we got bought, I guess that's the nature of corporate media, you know, you get bought and sold. And uh, we were for sale for, I think, a little over two years this most recent time. And I was like, huh, you know, it would be the same as last time, you know, just have a different email address or, um, you know, there'll be more budgets to cut and this and that. But, you know, I'll just keep doing my job, trying as hard as I can to put out the best product. And uh, even even coming up to the date, you know, I talked to my boss and said, hey, you know, what's going on with the sale? What are the rumors? And am I safe? And he's like, both he and, and, and you know, pretty much everyone else in the company is like, oh, God, you're the last guy that needs to worry. You're the editor of the number one title in the building. Your title is the biggest in the world in this category. And uh, don't worry about it. And then, you know, then on that fateful day, uh, we go in and uh, – for this big town hall meeting. And I think it's just going to be like the announcement of our new owners. And lo and behold, uh, my publisher and I get called in before the meeting and my boss is like, Hey, yeah. So we're sold to American media. And unfortunately they're not too interested in running a motorcycle magazine. So at 1130 today, you guys are all uh, being, <laughs> let, being let go. So I'm like, Whoa, fuck, you know, so Surprise. total, uh, I mean, it was such a surprise that, like, when I texted my wife the news, she thought I was kidding. You know, she's just like, oh, yeah, right. What's for dinner? Oh, man. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, that feeling is horrible, isn't it? Just like that, what am I going to do now? Yeah, it was um, it, it was really a, a, a shock to me, man. And, you know, like, much like yourself, right? I mean, when you're when you work for a publication that's been around for so long, you know, you you're seeing others around you that are, are fading away. And, you know, the reality is you, you're aware and you see print, you know, struggling, but, uh, you know, you also have a healthy book in front of you that you put out every month and you think things are doing okay. And, to all of a sudden be gone. It was, it was like, 
on one hand, I was super bummed just because I was out of a job, right? And yeah. I was like, you know, I just bought this freaking house. My chick just moved up with me and I'm, you know, said I'd be taking care of her while she got her feet under her. And like all that stress sets in. But then, you know, stepping back to the bigger pictures, like, dude, before I worked at the magazine, like, you know, I had posters on the wall, right? And it was like, I just witnessed the death of something that like was bigger than me. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, and I'm sure to an extent, Trans World was the same to you, right? Like, I mean, that's that was a huge magazine and uh, stuff that people all over the world probably were were mourning when it when it went out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was uh, <clears throat> for me. I had this uh, I had this overwhelming feeling of like a lack of self worth all of a sudden. You know, like yeah. I was like, you know, because like I. I I founded Transworld, you know, I, I conceptualized it with, uh, with my buddy Garth Milan and, and we built the thing into this monster and, you know, I was just like, wow, I got no job and like all I have to show for it are a big stack of magazines, <laughs> you know, but, uh, it, it was, it was pretty funny though. Cause like I was so in shock and so down and everything and, and my, uh, my daughters actually were the ones who cheered me up. They're like, Hey, yeah, you know, Transworld didn't make you, you made Transworld. You know, that's, it's, that's not, you're not defined by the magazine. So I, I didn't, right. I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you'll agree that like as magazine editors, we were kind of living the dream job, especially because we, <laughs> we love, we love the subject matter, right? Like, yeah. <clears throat> like I, I've always tried to hire a staff that loves motocross because I feel in a special interest media publication or, you know, outlet, when you're passionate about the subject matter, the product is better. So, you know, like I had, I had an opportunity one time early on to be an editor of a jet ski magazine and I thought those things were lame. So like, why would I do that? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think you and I, we both had the dream job cause you love bicycles. I love motorcycles and like, you know, there was days that sucked, but all in all, I never woke up and dreaded my job. No, that's the truth, man. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, even even still, right, like, whatever, almost three years later, sometimes I, I look back and I'm just like, man, I can't believe I was getting paid to do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> do you, uh, okay, so what was your thought process? Were you, were you going to go apply at other titles or, or were you instantly thinking you were going to start The Lone Wolf? You know, I... It, it was tough, right? Like the, I would say that at first, right? Like with anything, when you're shocked like that, I was kind of in denial and was like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe this will work itself out. You know, maybe a week or two later, I was hoping maybe the, the employees could get together and, uh, and buy it, right? Buy the title, you know, and, and we could continue to run it. Cause you know, the publishers, they were, they were getting older and, you know, maybe I figured they wanted to retire and, rightfully so right they'd been in the, the game for a long time and it would have been great though to just have the opportunity to try to to resurrect the brand mm-hmm. um however when their emails shut off and they shut all of the phones down and we had no way to get in touch with anyone it kind of became real that that's not an option anymore um coincidentally about i don't know man maybe like two to three months before um this had happened 
I I was watching a Dirt Shark uh, flick, Doonies, mm-hmm. and I had like a major just like light bulb revelation moment of just like you know like that 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 video ended and I was so pumped like I just wanted to go ride you know what I mean mm-hmm. and um, I just sort of like thought that mountain bike media and mountain bike videos and shit like it had just transitioned into like less of like just these badass stoke videos and more into like like a national geographic version showcasing the art of mountain bike riding you know what i mean it was like it was like who can have the slowest slow-mo and the nicest camera gear and less like (laughs) the video doesn't end anymore and you're like hell yes i want to go ride it's like what a beautiful depiction of our sport you know yeah and um and when i saw Dooney's, i was like mountain biking's gone soft dude we need a dirt shark for the mountain bike world and and that that just like kept looping in my head and i was like dirt shark for mountain bikes dirt shark for mountain bikes and and that's how the lone wolf popped in my head Uh and so i jammed over to the computer and i started freaking googling like lone wolf lone wolf and i was like holy shit dude this is not am i allowed to say cuss words on this thing (laughs) (laughs) so uh so I freaking I'm searching and there I I was like I can't believe it dude it's not taken it's not used so. now, is that is that like a mountain bike slang like not at all okay. well I mean you know so you're familiar with loam I oh imagine, yeah yeah, right? yeah yeah all right so I mean in a in a sense it was a play on words right like yeah. I mean it, it was just right and uh, loam is you know our equivalent of powder in the mm-hmm. mountain bike world I mean it's the best dirt you can ride so um, it just seemed like a catchy cool name and uh yeah dude i registered it bought the urls i could got the you know protection i could and um it originally was just going to be like t-shirts and jerseys for guys that like maybe were a little more kind of like punk rock or metal influenced and like didn't want to wear you know neon colored troy lee kits when they're out riding their bike you know and i i just wanted to to do something a little bit edgier and and more raw. Um, so when the news came through that, that the magazine was done, I'd already had a, I had a website. <clears throat> I had some shirt designs and some Jersey designs in the hopper. Um, I'd established relationships with all these, you know, bike brands, component and gear companies from, from, you know, the years as an editor. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, sitting on a garage full of bikes and, and product. And, um, you know, the guys from the mag called me and, and, uh, you know, there's two, two guys that said, Hey dude, we don't want to go look for real jobs. Like what, what should we do? <laughs> and, um, little did they know they were signing up to work way more than they would have if they got a regular job. But, <laughs> oh yeah, um, I said, well, shit, dude, let's, let me email all these people I know for all the stuff we have. And we put together a list of all the products and, um, I emailed every company and said, Hey, you know, you, you probably got the word declines done we have your bike or your whatever um we're happy to box it up and send it back but a few of us are going to work on this project and start a new media outlet um that's just a lot more raw organic true to the rider and um you know puts that above everything else would you be interested in letting us keep your your bike to review as we launch the site and, um, dude, I, I was just blown away. Like a hundred percent of the people I emailed said, whatever you're doing, we're stoked on it and we're happy to support you. We can't wait to see what it is. And, uh, we're sure it'll be awesome. So 
that was kind of the the jump off point man we had you know we had a bunch of gear and product and we just put our heads down and started writing reviews and uh building a friggin' website with you know the unemployment checks coming in for a few months and just <laughs> yeah. try to dump everything we could into you know making the coolest looking site that we could with little know-how and and budget mm-hmm. and uh just hoping that you know the the true kind of raw reviews and content that we created would, would be enough to get us the views and the eyeballs we needed yeah you know was it tough for you to decide who to bring with you um yeah yeah it, it, it was um and uh i mean obviously like like in a perfect Kate, in a perfect world you would have brought everyone that you liked right but financially there's not room. Absolutely. For sure, dude. Yeah, I mean, there was, you know, honestly, there wasn't room to bring the people that I did bring. But like, I was, I was lucky enough that they were willing to put some sweat equity in at the ground level from from day one, in hopes of, uh, you know, this turning into something bigger and and eventually becoming more fruitful. So, mm-hmm. um, we're kind of just now, you know, at April will be. Well, I guess I should say February will be three years that we, you know, shut d- decline down. And mm-hmm. April uh, at Sea Otter was kind of when we made our announcement. So we basically did everything in two months: built a site, ha- developed a bunch of backend, um, you know, reviews and stuff. So that way we launched and had a site that was up and running with content. So, um, you know, April will be three years that we've been friggin' putting everything that we've got into this thing. Friggin' long days, long nights, and. Uh, a lot of a lot of personal financial uh, backing <laughs> yeah and stress so for for uh Swatmoto live you know it's like when it happened you know I, everyone on my staff reacted differently like one guy was like fuck this <laughs> fuck these guys <laughs> just was <laughs> pissed and just left like half baked style <laughs> yeah and throwing then, cheeseburgers you at know but then, Ant, you know, Anton's like, his eyes are tearing up. Oh, what are we going to do? And it's funny because, like, you know, I was so much, you know, I'm so much older than my staff that they all kind of, like, treat me like, they all call me yellow dad, you know? Right. And they're, like, looking at me, dad, what are we going to do? <laughs> so, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, for me, it was, re- it was really obvious that, you know, we wanted to try to get the magazine back originally. So there was talks with American media uh, about that. And then, uh, you know, I, I found an investor like I, so dude, so many people came out of the woodwork and offered, you know, to help to, to invest, to help me buy it back. I mean, one of the, uh, one of the most shocking to me was Jeremy McGrath was talking wow. to me at, uh, at San Diego Supercross, you know, three days after we got let go. And he yeah. grabs me by the back of the neck and goes, "Hey, fucker, you better, you better do something. You better try to get it back or keep going, because you know we don't want to lose your voice." And uh, I was like blown away, you know, that McGrath would say that to me. I mean, especially like there's some people that know our history. We've had a rocky patch for a little while, but like for him to say that to me and and try to encourage me to buy it. Uh, you know, we, we and the, here it is in the main event in the San Diego Supercross. We're talking about stuff, and I opened up and shared my fears. Like, dude, I, that's a lot of money. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how much you're gonna ask for. But 
you know, <laughs> I don't have any money in the bank. And he's all, take out a loan. And he's all, man, like the average house in California now is like a million bucks. You tell me you couldn't make a house payment? You tell me you don't believe in yourself enough to, to commit to a house payment every month? And I was like, dude, a million, it's easy for you to say. And Jeremy's <laughs> like, hey, dude, business isn't hard. It's just scary because you haven't done it before. And I'm all, well, easy for you to say you're a millionaire. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, dude, think about the last big jump you did that you're scared to do. And then you did it. And you're like, God, that was easy. I'm like, huh? I guess. You know, and Jeremy has certainly been a part of several companies since retiring. So I was like, oh, okay. And then he goes, fine. If you're scared, I'll buy it. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, man. You, you want to be a magazine publisher? And he goes, well, it'll keep me in the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he was awesome, you know, like really encouraging. And then, I mean, even, heck, later that night, I bumped into Villapoto and he grabs me and goes, so what, am I fucking buying a magazine or what? You know, like he, he wanted to be part of it. Right. That's pretty cool. But, uh, you know, as it turns out, you know, we're in the negotiations and, uh, the scandal between all, uh, David Pecker and Bezos from Amazon pops out and the trail goes cold instantly. So I have to mm-hmm. think that it had something to do with it because the, uh, the controller guy from AM, American media that we're talking to suddenly just changed his tone and said, you know, we've got other things to deal with right now. Right. So that went away. So here I am back again with what am I going to do? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Fortunately, we had the Swap Moto Live show going already at uh, at Transworld. And the story about that's pretty crazy, too, because uh, a really good friend of mine in the industry had come to me and said, look, we took over OGO Power Sports, the Power Sports division of the OGO bag brand. And right. uh, we want to uh, market a little differently. The parent brand of OGO is Callaway. Callaway Golf has this $2 million TV studio, and they do these golf shows. We want you to do a motocross show. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, <clears throat> not a chance, bro. You know, I'm not that, I'm not that guy. <laughs> and so we pull up an ver- uh, example of it. And it's a live studio audience, and the, the the president of Callaway comes running out, gets introduced, and he comes out. And he's like, he's like doing karate chops with his hands and stuff, and now these signature hand moves. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's just like you know, like a late night show, and I'm like, that's not me. You know, right. a I can't pull that off, and b everyone will make fun of me. So, you know, I said, well, <laughs> maybe if it was just me and a, a rider, you know, no no audience and stuff, I could pull it off and. I still don't want to do it. And, you know, my friend Frank says, you got to invest in yourself. You got to start building the Don Maeda brand because, you know, you know you're for sale. What if the guy, someone buys you and turns you off? And I'm like, dude, no chance in hell, buddy. We're the number one title in the mag in the world and number one title in the company. That's never going to happen. He goes, but what if it does? You know, and lo and behold, the guy's like Nostradamus, right? Predicted the yeah. future. So thank goodness we had Swap Moto Live show going for, you know, four or five months before we all got clipped. And uh, that's why I decided to stick with that name. You know, in hindsight, I wish we had maybe named it something else because I kind of think it's funky that it's my nickname in the title. It's like, hey, Don's Motorcycle World, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I don't know. It's working out. And uh, I know for me... Uh, you know, everyone was like, hey, man, 
it could be a blessing in disguise that Transworld got shut down and I thought everybody was crazy at the time. But now here I am seven months out and I feel like it's totally true. Yeah, man, that's, uh, that's the truth. And uh, definitely a lot of people saying the same thing to me, you know, it's like, it's, you know, you don't, you don't really start to uh, try to do something if you're comfortable and you got someone else writing your paycheck for you and you just, you know, focusing on, on meeting someone else's deadline, but you never hustle like you do for yourself when, uh, when you got to pay a bill and put food on the table, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, I think, uh, went, went for me, let me tell me if this is the same sentiment you have, but like, you know, we decided Solomon Alive Live was going to be, uh, you know, online property only. And initially I was like, oh, dude, maybe we'll make a magazine someday. But then I was kind of going, dude, I'm so pumped I don't have to do a magazine anymore. Because, like, I used to bust my ass like crazy for like 10 days and then screw off for the rest of the time and then bust my ass, right? But mm-hmm. the magazine itself, for me, I wrote like 70% of the magazine. So it was, it was a big workload. So I was excited to not have that burden, but now that we're doing our thing online and everything is so instant gratification, and especially since it's mine, I'm working harder than I ever have. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Uh, I definitely have the same sentiment, man. It's uh, you know, with the publication and the uh, print world, you had your calendar, right? And like you said, it was they were like the freaking golden days, man. Like. You figure out your schedule, you got half the month off to like go out and, you know, quote unquote test ride product. Mm-hmm. But really you're just dicking off having fun and riding with your you know, stopping at bike shops, hanging out with buddies and and just riding bikes. And uh, you know, I mean, granted you're working, right? You're I mean, you are spending time on stuff that you have to write, but then those final two weeks of the month before the deadline, it's it's a mad dash and the crunch to get it all done. Mm-hmm and late nights to proof it and, you know, stay in there with everybody to make sure there's no or minimal typos as possible and everything is laid out right. And, uh, and then you do it all over again. But now it's like, there's no downtime. There's no days off. Like it's work all day, work all night till you go to sleep or until the wife, you know, hounds you for being, you know, absent enough. And, uh, and then you go to sleep and do it again every friggin' day, man. It's like, I don't know about you, but my the amount of time I spend riding and going out on and doing stuff for myself is definitely dwindled. Um, yeah. Cause it's just, you know, it's, I guess it's a competitive nature too. Right. It, and, and it's probably the same with the riding. It's like, if you make it around the track and whatever, 55 seconds, you're like, that was cool, but how I need to do it in 49, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with owning your own business and having your website. It's like, you know, even with a social media, like every time I'd hit a goal and we'd be like, boom, that was the number we wanted. I mean, I was instantly thinking, what's my next goal? What's the next hurdle I need to get to here now? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't celebrate and I would just be instantly onto the next thing. And, and that wasn't something that I necessarily did when I was working for someone else. Totally. I think, uh, I didn't realize how much uh, like subliminal stress was on me from wondering what what lame things corporate was going to ask me to do next. <laughs> you know, because we had a meeting. Yeah. We had a meeting every Monday morning, and you know, the last year or so it was always, "Oh, we're this much off as a company. Um, 
we have to cut or we have to make up some money. So everybody come up with three ideas, <laughs> you know, nonsense yeah. like that. So like, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't really realize how stressed out I was every Sunday night until I didn't have to do that. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah, you're, you're, you're your own boss, right? Like you, you decide what's cool. You don't have to do stuff you don't believe in or stuff you don't think is, you know, uh, the right fit. Yeah. And, uh, and there's something to be said for that. Okay. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking at your website right now and I see some dirt bike stuff. So yeah, man. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Swap Mode Alive and Lone Wolf are like very similar in that we both dabble in each other's sports, right? So like I've got a little bit of mountain bike stuff on mine. You've got a little bit of moto stuff on yours. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's all two-wheeled and it's all in the dirt and it's all good. That's it, man. Yeah, we definitely, uh, I mean, you know, we started with the mountain bike stuff and uh, shoot, I went from hating e-bikes to focusing a lot of time and energy on e-bikes. And uh, yeah, man, I've got a, a dirt bike right now. Um, I got an FE350 that I absolutely love. And uh, freaking, dude, I ride that thing as much as I can. And, and uh, you know, as a way to avoid having to pay for stuff, I try to co connect with some of the brands that, uh, you know, make mountain bike stuff that I know and say, hey, I'll do a little review on this if you send me a new pair of boots or some tires or whatever, you know, and, and, um, it seems to be working out pretty well, man. And I think it's, it's probably very similar to what you do with your mountain bike stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, I the mean, mountain bike, I think the crossover is huge, right? Cause I mean, every, yeah. everyone that rides a motor cross bike, <clears throat> you know, train, you know, all the racers, they train, they train on mountain bikes. And, you know, I think a lot of the top mountain bike guys ride moto. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, Bernard Kerr, who's like, you know, a, a pretty competitive World Cup downhill racer. He's he's got a whole series right now where he's going to try to qualify and race, you know, twenty twenty. So it's like, is he the uh, uh, Prey One guy with Maxis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been talking to Chris Meyer at Maxis about that guy and uh, looking forward to doing some stuff with him when he gets out here. Yep. So, I mean, it's, I, I'd say the crossover is definitely there. So, um, it's just, it's really cool. And, uh, it just seems like a good natural way to integrate, yeah. you know, both, both sides of, uh, the two wheeled spectrum and shit. Maybe we'll cross over to even, even more together and work on some stuff. I can see some rad partnerships going down with that. Yeah, for sure. Oops. Hey, so, you know, last weekend was a day in the dirt Grand Prix at Glen Helen. Yeah. And, uh, uh, one of the events that's really fun is the team race, you know? Yep. So, uh, I teamed with Alex Ray, who's obviously, you know, top pro guy. So he would, he would do all this passing on his, his lap and they'd hand it off to me and I'd just get passed by a bunch of people. But you want to know what's funny is every time I was on the bike, I got passed by Cam Zink. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty funny too, because I had just seen Zink at, uh, uh, a Troy Lee kind of open house thing like the week before and we were talking about Swap Mode Alive and, and all that stuff and then here he is passing me every single time yeah, <laughs> I think whenever he got tired of it he was yelling every time <laughs> <laughs> they're slopping the way again yeah so uh, so this guy that's racing going after A1 would you say uh, would you venture to say he's the fastest moto 
riding mountain biker? You know what, dude? I can't, I can't really comment on that. Um, cause I don't know how fast some of the other guys are. Like I know a lot of, uh, a lot of guys are quick, but you know, some of them like, you know, like Bryn Atkinson, for example, who's a sh- absolute shredder on a mountain bike. Um, he loves trail riding. Right. And I think a lot of the guys enjoy the trail riding aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I don't know where Bernard and Zink stack up. You know, I mean, I, I know Zink put some time in out there and, uh, seemed like he, he did pretty well out at day in the dirt. So shoot, man, I mean, we might see that those two going head to head one day. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, other guy, like I know Aaron Gwynn hauls ass. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, you know what? Okay, so here's another one I totally forgot about. Elliot Jackson. He might be um, he might be a little faster than Bernard, and they used to be teammates on Pivot, but Elliot came from, I mean, I think he was on like some little Team Green or a little Kawasaki like junior program uh, in his younger years. Mm, and transitioned into bikes. Yep. Huh. Yeah, I mean, so I think Elliot Jackson might be him and Aaron Gwynn could be two of the quickest up there. Bernard is probably right up in the mix with him. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, maybe this is a feature you ought to work on. <laughs> that could be cool, right? We, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I wonder if we can get everybody together. The hard part is getting him over from the UK with a bike that he'd uh, be comfortable on and getting a track together. But yeah, maybe we should do like a little biathlon, a little mountain uh-huh. bike moto uh, uh, <laughs> challenge. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, hey, uh, Drew, let's take a quick break to uh, hear from our sponsors, but uh, we'll be right back with more from The Lone Wolf. Hi, this is Dean Wilson from the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory racing team. Right now, Husqvarna Motorcycles has many different incentives to put you on the bike of your dreams. Visit an authorized Husqvarna Motorcycles dealer to take advantage of limited time offers on the innovative street models, versatile dual sports, and even competitive minis for the kids. Check out Husqvarna-Motorcycles.com slash offers to learn more today. For over six decades, Scott Motorsports has pushed the limits of innovation, providing our customers with the most advanced technology available. Scott is honored to be the exclusive eyewear sponsor of the Swap Moto Live podcast. Athletes such as Chad Reed, Justin Barsha, and myself, Adam Cientrillo, require the best performance, which is why we choose the Scott Prospect Goggle. Recognized as the number one goggle in racing, Scott is proud to be made in the USA. Check out scott-sports.com to see their complete line of high-performance goggles. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer, and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble, and it doesn't feel... uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So, yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross-country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails. Or if you want to go a bit further, longer and faster, they, they just brought out a new Taser e-bike, which is, uh, yeah, everyone's given the double thumbs up on. So head down to your local Intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at IntenseCycles.com. Check it out, guys. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. 
and whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota of Escondido Action Sports Team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Riders like Justin Cooper, Don Ferrandis, Eli Tomac, Adam Entingnap, Josh Hansen, and more partner with Works Chassis Lab for engine mounts and other special parts to add comfort to and enhance the handling characteristics of their bikes. With championships and race wins to prove it, Works Chassis Lab Parts provides the winning edge. Visit WorksChassisLab.com for more information. Welcome back to the Swap Moto Podcast, presented by Fly Racing. Uh, once again, I'm here with Drew Rohde of the LoneWolf.com. Um, hey, buddy, the, the site looks amazing. And, and from what I understand, this is the second rendition of your website you've had? Um. Well, yes and no. We we uh, the original look is very much the same from from the onset. Um, what we have done recently, though, is uh, change a lot of the back end structure. We we I'm not a computer guy, so hopefully I don't sound too dumb here at all. But um, we switched over to a CDN and we're on like Amazon's uh, content oh, delivery network. Yeah. So that has greatly increased our uh, our load time and our speed um throughout the whole world mm-hmm. and we've recently um hired a seo firm out of utah called big leap hopefully they'll hear this and maybe cut us a break on our <laughs> billing next month um <laughs> but uh yeah big leap has done some some pretty amazing stuff for us uh in a relatively short amount of time it's it's crazy to me the uh, God what you can do when you got the brain power to friggin' figure out how the the Google bots and all that shit works, dude. It's you know like I said, I'm not a friggin' computer techie guy. I self taught myself a lot just starting this business and getting the social to growth and all that. But mm-hmm. um, I've just kind of taught myself what I needed to. But the aesthetics and the vibe and the imagery and and that's kind of been my my, I don't know, my passion, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely more of, like, an artsy kind of guy than a, a numbers and uh, database kind of guy. But uh, we've luckily had the site up and running without any major, major issues for the three years. And now that we've we've switched to this new back end and the content delivery network, it's only made the site better, faster, um, a little more user-friendly. So Yeah, I, I um, noticed your site's really fast. It's a lot faster than, say, bike magazines <laughs> <laughs> um dude well we're faster than everybody yeah. um I, and uh like i guess i'm kind of proud about it because that just happened within the last like two to three weeks that we're now um i mean you take the biggest name in the game we're our shit loads faster and it's it's pretty awesome yeah how is uh 
how is mountain bike media like when you're at a launch of something are you buddies with all the other title editors from the other titles or is there kind of like a, oh there's drew oh there's that guy um well i mean they might say that behind my back but <laughs> <laughs> um no man i think uh i think mountain bike media is is a pretty tight-knit um and fun like group of guys you know i think we're all um you know i mean it's it's camaraderie in a way right mm-hmm. we all kind of share the same the same struggles we got the same jobs like we you know we get together and we endure crazy long travel schedules just to you know fly to europe to ride a bike we've never ridden on wet greasy trails <laughs> with you know what i mean with like with zero sleep after a 18 hour travel day and then go home the next morning, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's kind of hard to not bond with those guys. And, uh, you know, you just, I mean, shit, man, we're kind of like brothers in a way. Like we all spend so much time living in the same houses and hotels together that, um, you know, we definitely have fun. We, there's some shit talking. I remember like, you know, we always would make jabs and poke fun at each other. Like back when I was at decline and had a magazine and, you know, I'd be there with like some of the guys from Pink Bike. I would make fun of them for being bloggers, and yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and um, you know now here I am a, a quote unquote blogger. So I I think we're all buds and we get along pretty damn well. But the media camp thing seems to be changing. I don't know how it is in the moto world, but it seems like less and less outlets go to media camps now, and um, I, it just it's weird. And I'm not sure what the end game is. Is if brands are trying to or outlets are trying to get money for companies to to do stuff instead of just getting all the quote-unquote free press from finding guys to to a camp yeah but it seems like they're getting fewer and farther between it's kind of weird some like the first experience i had with the whole influencer thing was uh gopro took me to uh well i think it was the launch of the hero six or seven but it was in san francisco right Mm -hmm. and uh I got invited to that, and I get there, and I thought, well, where's where's uh, Travis from MXA? Where's, you know, the guy from Racer X? <laughs> and then, lo and behold, I find out that I'm the only, like, magazine guy there from a sports, you know, outlet. And I'm yeah. like, well, who else? Who's that? I'm like, oh, that guy. He's an influencer. <laughs> He's got this many followers and that. And then I see this guy walking around with a dog, this big giant. Husky. Oh, who's that? Oh, that's Loki, the wolf dog. That guy's got 2 million followers. I'm like, wait, what? You know, they're like the whole GoPro thing was they, they had it and they brought their athletes and then they brought influencers to, to help spread the word. Right. So turns out Davey Millsaps was there as the motocross guy. And so he and I were like, like Magnus, we just hung out the whole time because right. we were a little bit uncomfortable with all these influencer type people and didn't really understand it. Um, now that I've spent more time on YouTube and studying YouTube and trying to figure things out, what works, what doesn't, I think your sport is more saturated with influencers that have pull. Would you agree? Like, you, there's a lot compared of, to Moto. Yeah, like there's a lot of like dudes out there testing bikes and saying how to do this and how to do that, and they're not necessarily part of a media outlet. Um, I I think you're probably right. I mean, I. I guess I'm not as embedded into the in the moto world, right, as as you are. But um, there are definitely a lot of guys out there that have mountain bike channels that are 
you know, yeah, they, they don't have journalism backgrounds or they're not media guys and they're, they didn't come from a race background. You know, I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's some dudes out there that are like legitimate kooks, man. And, yeah. and they've got freaking tons of followers and their videos get so many likes and yeah, brands are freaking flowing them product. And it's just like, how did, you know, I mean, it, <laughs> it, it's interesting. Um, and, and it's something I'm actually trying to pitch to some brands this year to, or next year to try to do a story on, um, to just talk about the value of these guys that are, you know, I guess maybe more identifiable to the general public, but, um, shit, dude, it shows you, I guess what hard work and dedication and just putting regular videos and content out will do. Mm -hmm. Have you ever like <laughs> just spent time at your computer angry at what gets views on YouTube? <laughs> oh my God. Dude. More than I'd like to admit. Dude, I was like, like, here's one good thing. Okay. So at Transworld, we had 190,000 subscribers. Mm -hmm. And Swap One Alive, I think we just broke 20, 21,000 or something right now. Yeah. We have more video views now than we did at Transworld. And I don't understand it, but I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, well, why did this one work? Or why did that work? And so I'm trying to figure stuff out. But like, I came across uh. this, I came across this video called 2020 kawasaki kx450 first start right yeah and it's just some dealership like you know you just got you just got that guy a shitload more yeah, yeah. by saying that it's some dealership <laughs> in the midwest and they have a drone above the shop and the drone comes down and it's just some mechanic and coveralls with a kx450 in the parking lot and yeah it comes down like that's the most production value of the video right and then mm -hmm. it goes to a handheld camera probably a phone and this this guy in these dirty coveralls pushes the start button, brum, 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 revs the bike for about a minute while the guy with the phone walks around him, and that's it. There you go. Video has like almost a million views. How about that? So then I'm all, oh, that's it. I'm doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to uh, Yoshimura and saw my buddy Big E, and I took the 250 Honda, and I go, hey, put a pipe on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing. 2020 CRF 250 with Yoshimura pipes, first start, and walked around it. And, you know, I, did, I didn't think it was going to get that many views like those people, but I wouldn't have been surprised if it got like 20 views and 20 comments, like, what the hell is this shit? Right. But lo and behold, it got like 6,000 views. I mean, oh, all man. it was was Big E starting the bike and revving it, but I don't know. But what do you find works for the lone wolf channel um man you know it's crazy and and like i've been listening to lots of you know namely this guy gary vaynerchuk gary v if any anybody listens to that dude this like entrepreneurial stuff and the the common element is just get content out right mm -hmm. and when we first started, one of one of the guys that joined with me, he was really hung up on production value and quality and audio and you know all this stuff. And so he, we would end up sitting on these videos that we'd shot for him to edit them or for him to build the set or for this and that, whatever. And meanwhile, I would just get tired of waiting, and I'm like, dude, screw this. And I would go sit in the backyard, you know, with a friggin' shitty shotgun microphone mounted at the top of the camera 
no lighting, no, you know, background noise, whatever. And I would just pull out 10 knee pads. And I, I watched, I watched that one. Dude, <laughs> the knee the, pad the, review. I watched, 50, I watched it's got 50,000 views. Yeah. I watched the entire thing. And, and it, it's like, that's the prime example, dude. I mean, one of our other most popular videos is on this works battery powered pressure washer, you know? And it's like, then we go out, right, and we get sponsors, and I've got this brilliant idea of this really cool story, right? We're going to do like a moto mountain bike backcountry adventure with, you know, dirt bikes and mountain bikes, and all these companies are on board, and it's rad crossover content. Yeah, fucking, dude, tanks. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, like I hired a video guy. We freaking travel. I got all these expenses, and I'm like, this is such a rad story. I'm so pumped. We got these great images. The video's great. It's a cool story. People will identify with it, right? And it's like, yep, no one cares. They just, they just want to see, like, I think, so I, I guess to answer your question in a short format, what works? Product reviews and um, just giving people the latest, newest stuff to look at. Like, that's, I think that's all they really care about, man. They just want to see the new shit. I see a lot of your first ride videos do real well. Yep, like that's first, first I, on our bike. That's it, dude. People just it, it's cuz it's something new and they're curious about it and it, it's either that they're skeptical and they want to talk crap so they got to watch it to talk crap or they're like should I buy this instead of what I currently have? And and I think I think that's honestly, you know, we're pro I think people are in, just inherently curious and if something new's out, they want to know about it and if you focus less on you know producing like the best content that never makes it out mm -hmm. and put out medium content regularly, that's going to be better. And it's, that's a hard thing to struggle with because like, you know, as creative people, I'm sure you're the same. It's like, you don't want to put something out that your name's on. That's not very good. But at the same <laughs> oh. time, as the numbers show it, the shit doesn't have to be good, dude. It can be lame shot on a friggin' wobbly ass cell phone and people love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, uh, like I think I've got like the I've got this video editor Chase Curtis that works for me and he's badass mm -hmm. right and he's one of those new age guys that like he's learned himself he taught himself editing you know and he's got right. a good style and he kills it and he's young so he can operate a gimbal really well and run with the camera <laughs> which yep. I, I can't do anymore because I'm too fucking old but uh <laughs> So he, he produces these videos for us that are like so sick, you know, like great angles, great slow-mo, color correction, like cool filters and effects and stuff. Did well, you do that one for Hoppa? No, that was, uh, that was Casey Davis, another one of my guys. Oh, that, uh, all right. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, he snaps his leg like a month ago and he's, he just got out of his external fixator, but he's laid up, right? He broke his yeah. right leg, so he can't even drive. <clears throat> so right now, I'm either filming the video and dropping it off to him and having him edit it, or what I'll do is I'll just like go, all right, I'll be, like the other day I was at a supercross track, and I go, oh, I'll just film the guy for two laps, like no edits, just two laps straight. <laughs> and I put those up, and those are getting like really good traffic. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> it's not even on a gimbal, not on a tripod, I'm hand-holding it. It's like nope. low production value, but people want to see raw stuff, I guess, sometimes. That's it, man. It's, it's like I said, it's, there's, people want the content quick, and they want 
they don't really care about the quality as much as what it is. Yeah. Do you think uh, for for your site, are you uh, more product based or more uh, feature based and like how to reader service stuff? Oh man, that it's a tough one. I would say right now we're more review based, um, and that's p- kind of in line with what we just talked about. That's what gets the numbers. That's what people Google search. And, um, you know, it's like, it's tough because, you know, as a media outlet, as you know, um, we kind of rely greatly upon advertising. Mm -hmm. And people aren't going to advertise on a website that doesn't get a lot of traffic. And in order to get a lot of traffic, you got to have the content people are Google searching. And that is specialized Enduro versus Santa Cruz Bronson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what? what's the best 29er? You know? Yeah. Like, and and so in order for us to have the the web traffic numbers, we got to balance our dream trip, you know, native content features that we really enjoy and are passionate about creating mm-hmm. um, with the reviews. So I'd love to do more reviews or uh, I'm sorry, more features and athlete interviews and travel stories and all that. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, the reality is, you, as you see, you spend all that time and money and effort and, and it doesn't do as good as a simple cell phone video of a bike review. Yeah. Hey, do you think uh, that as a long time mountain biker and mountain bike editor authority, do you feel you've become jaded to the content that maybe people want to see because like for instance i told you this before when we were when we were at that lead intro in uh in monterey we were, mm-hmm. we were eating at that restaurant i was like man how come because <laughs> you know that was when i first started riding mountain bikes so like how come no one like writes articles about like how to go around a corner <laughs> without pushing your front end and falling on your face you know <laughs> like like the most basic like uh like beginner type things, you know, like, like when I was like fully into it, I, I would go on a flight and I'd go to the bookstore and I'd buy like every mountain bike magazine. And I'd like, Oh man, maybe there'll be a story in here that'll help me like figure out how to go down skyline without pushing my front end. And it's like the only how to's they had in like bicycling magazine was like <laughs> the best Six pack in five the, minutes, the best fish to eat. tell how to get your body fat down to point one all this stuff um well all right so let me ask i guess i i used to look at trans world regularly did you guys have how to's in there yeah yeah we did we had in the start we had two how to's we had a mechanical how to and we had a a riding how to okay and well um i guess i guess yes is the answer to your question i think um we probably do get jaded and more importantly, I think we probably lose perspective on the average rider's abilities. Um, and I, th- I think that's probably a good reminder. Um, what you asked of like when you take your girlfriend out riding or when you, you know, you got a friend that's in town and you're like, Oh, let- they want to try mountain biking. Let's go out for a rip. And, and there's sections of trail, right? that you don't even remember exist because they're maybe 15 or 20 feet long and you literally hit the first 
piece of object in that section and gap the whole thing. So it's, it's not, it's a non-issue, right? Because you're literally flying over it. Mm -hmm. However, when you go out with a new rider, they are scared as shit and they're bouncing through this thing with one foot off the pedal. And like that 15 foot section takes 30 seconds Mm -hmm. of, of death, you know? And you're like, and they're like, how come you, I thought you said this trail was easy. And you're like, well, shoot, that, <laughs> I mean, that thing only takes a half a second to gap over it. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and I think the reality is, is that we probably lose touch at, you know, as in a way professional riders, right? Like, I mean, we in a way get paid to ride bikes. So we're probably at a different level than like your entry level consumer, right? And not that I'm saying I'm some friggin' superstar rider, but I think because we forget that, um, we don't focus on tips or techniques. Honestly, I'm more focused on how much I suck compared to the pros when I go to a media camp Mm -hmm. and asking them how, like, hey, can you give me some tips on how I can get better to be, like, to be, (laughs) like, closer to you? Yeah. Um, Then I am, you know, concerned with, like, where I stack up compared to the average Joe, I guess, at the trailhead on the weekend. Mm. But... Um, shit, man, maybe I got to start like talking to some guys and we put together some how to stuff. And I guess that's the hard part is like when you, when you don't know what people are struggling with, Mm -hmm. it's hard to create those videos. Yeah. I mean, like I'm on YouTube right now, how to jump a mountain bike, right? Mm -hmm. There's like a whole bunch of videos about how to jump a mountain bike. So, I mean, I guess there are how-tos out there. There there definitely are, and YouTube's the place to find them. I just don't think that media outlets are are pu- putting them out. Um, but that's the thing. I would rather watch a how to jump a mountain bike video from the Lone Wolf than from Van Can. <laughs> Who's Van Can or Matt Jones? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> just a thought. Just a thought, buddy. Because <laughs> right now, say, uh, Answer Racing, right? They sponsor a Wednesday property called Answer Moto Tips. Mm-hmm. So we use their riders like uh, Alex Martin. And then we've got Mike Sleater local, Ryan Vilpoto, Nick Way. And mm-hmm. soon we'll have uh, uh, Tyler Bowers to add to that. But <clears throat> just real simple riding tips but that's another thing is like you know when we were talking about the riding tips in the magazine the guy who was in charge of it he started getting a little bit too gnarly like how to do a on off with a off camber right hand corner after it it's like come on dude write a story <laughs> about like the fundamental like the way you should always ride on the balls of your feet or you know how to hold the handlebars like a tennis racket or you know looking ahead you don't have to write these like super specialized things he's like well we wrote we already wrote about seat bouncing last year i'm like well you can write about it again this year to use a different rider because everyone has a different technique yeah but th- that was always a real popular part of the magazine and for us right now uh it's a popular part of our website on wednesdays interesting well uh, let let's see what what are the top three things you want to ner- learn how to do better on a mountain bike and i'm gonna i'm gonna build these videos for you bud <laughs> uh let's see how to go uphill faster on my new specialized enduro. 
<laughs> okay. No, I don't know. Uh, dude, I, I'd always... Have you got your cornering figured out? You've done washing out your front end? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I finally asked John Tomac at a race. And he goes, well, what are you doing? And I told him, and he just starts laughing. You know, everything on a moto is different. You know, like I was waiting the front end, getting over the front of the bike. And <laughs> yeah, I was all wrong. But uh, I don't know. How do, you know what I, I have a problem with, Drew, is like when I'm going downhill, something real steep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I try to modulate my brakes really well so I don't start skidding. Yeah. But on the on the chance that I break the rear wheel loose and it starts skidding, you know, sometimes I have the uh, composure to, like, let go both the brakes and then apply the brakes again smoothly. Yeah. But sometimes I just forget which brake is which and just lock them both up and just eat shit. Mm. I think a lot of that is because the mountain bike, motorcycle levers are on the opposite side and sure. I, don't, I don't switch mine to moto style but i don't know Down. interesting yeah no I, I i totally get that and i mean you know i uh i ride you know anything from harleys and you know triumph on the street to dirt bikes and stuff and i've oftentimes had like that same moment right from a lifestyle or, or a lifelong you know mountain bike background is like man, what if like a car pulled out in front of me or something and I totally panic and just grab a fistful of front brake because I'm just used to that being the back brake on my yeah. mountain bike, you know? Yeah. Um, and you just kind of revert back to that muscle memory, I think. But uh, I don't know. I think as time goes on and you ride mountain bikes more and more, you'll probably learn to differentiate. I know some guys do swap, you know, their brakes around, but yeah, I I've been lucky enough, I guess, so far to be able to keep keep my brain switched to whatever mode of bike I'm on. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, for the most part, I got it. It's just every once in a while, like uh, the other day, panic I situation, hauling ass around this corner. And there's this like old Korean lady with a giant sun hat hiking up the single track. And yeah. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Front. <row. laughs> yep. That's uh, I know, man, it's a tough one. It, yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting trying to figure out the uh, the balance of, of traction and and looseness on mountain bikes, uh, especially in SoCal where you're at. You know, I mean, that's where I grew up riding. It's it takes a while to figure that out, and uh, eventually you start to love and learn how to how to get that drifty feeling going on. And I, fuck, I kind of miss it up here. <laughs> Everything up there is perfect, man. There's a lot of traction. <laughs> so okay, so uh, uh, how do you transfer all the traffic you have on youtube to your website i haven't figured that out yet because dude we have like an unreal amount of traffic on our youtube channel and i wish that it all was referred from the website but i think a lot of it is just people just killing time on youtube searching or browsing yeah it's crazy huh they say that i guess the youtube search engine is one of the most popular uh and frequently used so I think what you may want to try and do perhaps is incentivize them, man. I think if you, you know, I don't know if you do like a, a newsletter or something, or, or maybe you do a giveaway and it's like, Hey, if you come, you know, you come to the site and sign up for our newsletter or leave a comment on this review or something, 
you know, we'll give away whatever it might be, right? A gear set or a, a friggin' pair of goggles or something. And then that way you can at least get some people transferred over from that, uh, from that YouTube channel to actually come to your website. Cause maybe they've never been right. Yeah. And if you can get them over there at least once, even if it's under the guise of winning something, then you might be able to have them come back a couple more times. I know that's a big, big thing for us. And, you know, we do these custom bike giveaways where we'll, you know, do these crazy paint jobs and wild one-off builds. Um, you know, right now we're, we're about to give away that specialized Enduro, um, December 16th, we're going to end the entries. And, and that's an exercise purely in getting people to our website. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's great publicity. I mean, those bikes get unbelievable amounts of, of views, um, you know, on social media outlets, but the goal is, is that we get people to the website and, and uh, hopefully through that, we can get them to come back again and again. <laughs> I did a giveaway. <clears throat> uh, Eli Tomac gave me one of his helmets. And so we did a nice. giveaway, uh, you know, to and try to get traffic. We said, comment, tell us what we're doing, good or bad. And anyway, so it, it worked. We got a lot of traffic. And then I chose a guy who obviously was really thoughtful and telling us good suggestions and stuff and mm -hmm. sent him the helmet. And dude... Somebody sends me a link like a month later. The guy was trying to sell it. <laughs> I was like, dude. Oh, no. oh, that's just kind of disheartening. It kind of soured my, uh, left a sour taste in my mouth for these like cool giveaways, you know? Yeah. Especially I mean, for something it, like that. Like you're giving away a sick bike that people are going to want to ride, but like this is a piece of fan memorabilia, right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, like your, your goal wasn't necessarily to like, give the guy a product that he cherished forever it was to get people to your website so while i can't say that it wouldn't bum me out and and it you know your goal was to, was accomplished right you got the people to the yeah. site and at the end of the day that was that so i don't know <laughs> Pe yeah, that's people right? dude that's freaking people man you just it, it's one thing i've definitely learned during this experience is uh take there's all kinds out there man yeah. <laughs> and you definitely can't make everybody happy and uh uh it's hard for me because i take a lot of stuff personal because you know we put so much into it and uh you know when someone says some dumb comment like i like i regularly say to myself like this ain't burger king dude this ain't your way yeah. like you know what <laughs> i mean like it's like you come on and you just leave some stupid anonymous friggin' comment and like not expect someone to reply back to you about it it's like you know, like I don't just walk down the sidewalk and if a friggin', you know, restaurant has some food out or, you know, a store has got a display, I don't just like stick my head in the window and be like, Hey, your food looks like shit. That's a terrible idea. And then keep walking down the sidewalk expecting it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yet when you're, when you're on social media, that's accepted, you know, behavior. And it's like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of tired of it. And, uh, right? yeah. I yeah. think I'm just, I'm just going to try to lead the charge for companies being able to talk shit back to people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, now that, you know, I, I essentially own Swap Moto Live, if someone talks shit on YouTube or something, I just talk shit right back. Yep. Like, like cause I don't, you know, I don't have a boss that's going to like get a letter from the guy. <laughs> yeah. That's it, man. It's like. I don't know. For some reason, it, it, it people just seem like they can talk they can talk smack to a company, and it doesn't hurt anyone's feelings. But if you know, but if a company says something back, yeah, then that's then you're you're the mean guy, right? Because it's like, well, you're attacking a person. It's like, well, you're, shit, you're attacking a person too, right? Like a lot of hard work went into 
you know, whatever it might be, right? Like a custom bike that we painted or, or a story or a video that you made, like you put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. And if, if they're, you know, it's like, I don't know, man. Okay. So speaking of custom bike, the, uh, the new one, the shreddy McFly stumpy, mm-hmm. dude, that paint job is so sick. And although I would say white tires are gay, it looks super <laughs> cool. It looks super cool on this bike. When, it, when is the giveaway on this bike? Isn't it coming up real soon? Thank you, man. Yeah, it's, um, it is December 16th is when we are closing the, uh, the entries and we're going to make the announcement right at like around Christmas. So it, uh, it, it, it was definitely a throwback paint job. I mean, it's super retro, kind yeah, of a back good. to like when I was a kid, you know, like there was like the dream style to get one of those bitch and faded bikes. And, and I got to say, yeah, the white tires, they, they probably aren't going to ride super great. Um, you know, the traction probably won't be amazing and yes, they're going to get dirty, but at the end of the day, right. These, these giveaway bikes are marketing stunts on our end. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and we want these bikes to make an impact and get people talking and get shared. And in order to do that, like, I mean, and plus the white totally accentuates the throwback retro vibe. So yeah. it, it just, it was a natural fit. It wasn't like we tried to do some crazy murdered out bike with white tires on it. You know, it's uh, it fits with the retro vibe and we knew it'd be kind of the icing on the cake to get that bike really talked about. And, and it seems to be working. Yeah. So it's a stump jumper. It's equipped with uh, Marzocchi suspension, white on the tires. Um, yeah. A so, full race face cockpit uh, and a Shimano drivetrain. So to enter to win, you go to thelonewolf.com, and uh, it's it's any purchase of uh, Lone Wolf merchandise, right? To get you entries. So yeah, th- there's um, there are a couple ways to enter. You can sign up for our newsletter and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and that gets you four free entries to win. Um, and we're just really trying to grow our YouTube channel and and our email database. Um, and then from there, every five dollars spent in the web store is also one entry. So um, yeah, if you you know you get a twenty dollars t shirt, you get four entries. If you sign up and subscribe to the YouTube, you get another four. So you know uh, the more entries you get, the better. So as a fellow uh, media outlet owner, uh, ineligible. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, dude? I don't. I don't think that. I don't think you're disqualified as long as you enter fair and square like everybody else. Yeah, but um, and the, it, you know, I hey, I, I rock my lone wolf front fender regularly. Well, and, I'm uh, glad to see it. But uh, yeah, I want to ask you about that. So you have a full line of like all kinds of cool lone wolf merch, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've gotten people like, hey, <laughs> uh, we want to buy stickers. So I made a bunch of stickers and I just give them away to people. But then I've got people like, how do I get one? Like, well, send me a, send me a your address and I'll send it. And then I'm starting getting people from like Australia asking for it. It's like, dude, I'm not paying five bucks to send you a sticker. Right. But I've had people say, Hey, when are you going to make merch and stuff? But I mean, how much demand is there really for merch? Like, should I make swap more live t-shirts? Um, why not? You know what I mean? Like, I think if, if you've got interest and you've got people that are saying that they want to support you and they want, you know, they want to buy stickers or a t-shirt or whatever. I don't see why you wouldn't. You don't, you don't have to have like a full line, you know, but shit, man, there's no reason to not at least make some stickers with your logo or have a little sticker pack, you know, make a koozie. Like, I mean, there's some cheap stuff that you can get made and that way people are, are able to, to represent your brand and what you're doing. Um, 
I mean, I know the moto guys, like they don't really wear jerseys the way mountain bike guys do. Like they, they got to have the matchy matchy stuff. Mm-hmm. But cause I was like going to say, man, she could just make a freaking a really cool, you know, blacked out Jersey with just a little, you know, your little logo somewhere small on the bottom of the sleeve or a chest. And that way guys who want to just have like kind of a stealthy, you know, blacked out look would be pumped on it. But mm-hmm. I mean, making a t-shirt shouldn't be a big deal and people might dig it. Yeah. How, how much uh, how much merch do you actually sell? Like more uh, more than you thought, or like about what you thought? Um, you know, it's pretty cyclical. I would say, um, you know, some months less than I think, and other months um, so much that I can't even keep up. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like I would say that it um, it's been a major major aspect of what has kept us in business the first two years i'll say that okay like the 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 support that we've had from our fans and and buying the merch that we have and granted it's you know we're trying to thank them and reward them for buying that cool merch with one with the content and the time and effort that we put into making those reviews and the stories but Mm -hmm. uh you know the giveaway bikes right like i mean they're they're not just buying something and walking away they're they're walk, they're hopefully you know got a chance to win a really bitchin bike so um th- those those sales have definitely been a huge factor in helping us you know continue on and building the site yeah and then you're not just making t-shirts you're making like nice jerseys and stuff so they're really nice jerseys dude we work with uh white label um they're out of los angeles uh my buddy matt armstrong who's uh, you may or may not oh, know, know yeah long time moto guy uh, he's doing the white label thing, and they make uh, they make our jerseys in California. We definitely try to get as much stuff made in the U.S. as we can. We're you know big fans of of trying to get stuff local. Um, so uh, yeah, man, Matt Matt does our jerseys. It's really cool because there's there's no minimums. Um, you know, I mean the pricing's a little bit higher than if we had to go over to Asia, but we also can order two, three, four of a jersey at a time and, and have them here within, you know, a week and a half, which is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like the description. You have this cool short sleeve jersey called the ombre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself some of that trendy ombre color without hitting the hair salon. <laughs> Down below, I like how it says, these jerseys run slightly small, so if you're thick, size up. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of cyclists are pretty lean, so sometimes you get some uh, some of the thicker guys in there, and we gotta gotta give them a warning. Yeah. But yeah, we we try to have fun with our content. I think we're pretty similar in that aspect, man. I mean, you can't can't be too serious with everything. You gotta have some fun. Yeah. All right, I just ordered that jersey, and I ordered. Did you? I ordered XL because I'm slightly thick. (laughs) Yeah, slightly thick. (laughs) Not as thick as Hoppa. But, uh, no no definitely not but uh well shit i'm gonna have to pack a little extra special well, hey, surprise wait. for you in there so i've got uh i have 10 entries Whew. right how about that how ten, about 10 well, entries to did, win that bicycle yeah yeah well and did you subscribe to the youtube and I'm and this, the newsletter i'm gonna unsubscribe and then resubscribe so i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Well, then, yes, your your entries are in. Look at that. I just got a notification of payment received here. Nice. Hey, speaking of, uh, well, not speaking of, but I almost forgot. We have to do, 
the bell helmets bench race section. All right, so you want to bench race moto or mountain bike? Um, gosh, dude, let's do. Uh, are, now, are we racing the same thing together? No, 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 no. I just bench race bullshit. Talk about what's going on, like predictions. Okay. Let's talk. Well, then let's talk mountain bikes. Mountain bikes. Well, see, I don't. I know. <laughs> you want to know the the mountain bike race personalities? I know off the top of my head names. Okay. Kyle, Kyle Strait, his better half Rachel. Mm-hmm. Brian Lopes. Okay. Cam Zink. Aaron. All Gwynn, right. Aaron Gwynn. Uh, Emily Batty. Hmm. That and. Johnny O'Mara, and I'd have to say that's it. Okay. So, who would win in a race on a cross-country bike uphill amongst all of those personalities? Uh, Lopes. I mean, right? Does Lopes have Johnny O? I don't. Gosh, I don't know. Cause see, I know, I know they were battling on this uh, section at in uh, Aliso. I, I think Osho has it, man. Uh oh. Well, because if they weren't if they weren't battling, they're going to be now after you call yeah. them out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I dude, that would be that would be a pretty heated race. I'd like to watch. I will say. Yeah. Oh, cause, well, wait, wait. You don't think Emily Batty could take them both down? She's young and prime of her career, Olympia. Uh, God, dude, this is a tough one. Do you know Emily? Uh, not personally, no. Oh. Just through her wonderful Instagram photos. So this uh, during the brief uh, delusional period of cross-country racing that I had, uh, mm-hmm. Mike Sleater and I were pre-running the course at, uh, oh, what's that place called? It's like near the lake in Pomona. But anyway. Uh, Fontana? No, not yeah, Fontana. Not Fontana, the other place. Uh, no, whatever. We're pre-running the course and we just get done. And we're sitting there, you know, I'm sitting on my top tube and we're talking elbows on the handlebars. And it was like, uh, it was like a scene out of Wayne's World. Like everything went slow motion with mm-hmm. like, you know, the fuzzy filter around the edges. And here comes yeah. Emily Batty riding up to us. And she's all, excuse me, boys, which way does the track go? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just looking at her like, oh my God, that girl rides a bicycle? And Sleater's like stuttering oh that, that, uh, it's right there it's just that way <laughs> it was pretty funny because i was and then she just rides away i'm like who was that and he's like oh that was emily batty she's uh you know she rides for trek she's canadian i'm like oh and then lo and behold i find out she's a moto fan and we ended up becoming friends and we put her in transworld motocross as a girl who races mountain bikes and plays for fun on a motorcycle in the, in the off season Oh, that's rad. But yeah, she's pretty cool in her. The, the the funny thing about her though is she's so nice and her and her husband Adam is the super the coolest dude ever. You mm-hmm. can't even like go, "Oh, Emily Batty," cuz she's like too cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no I mean everything I've seen uh, of her and in all the interviews and stuff, she definitely seems like a pretty genuine and, and rad person, so. Yeah. So we gonna do, we should we do a moto race then now that way so that way you've got one up and I've got one up a moto race okay let's hear it what so I got, how's this work well, I got to throw I in the scenario well see the thing is I just told you that I just told you the the mountain bikers I knew because you know like you're the most famous mountain biker I actually interact with 
<laughs> I find that unlikely. <laughs> but uh, hey, you know what? Let, let, let's just okay. The bell session's over. But hey, this okay. week, yesterday, day before yesterday, I got to go to the Honda. Uh, you know the Honda uh, team launch, the unveiling did, to, the, to the press. I did see some pictures from that. Yeah, it was super cool. But uh, how does it make you feel to think about all these mountain bike companies that are investing? significant uh quantities of bicycles in the sponsoring teams um do you think it's a wise investment uh marketing wise you know i i don't necessarily know if i would want to go out and question their decision making because i would i would like to think that they're smart guys right and that they're weighing that the risks or, or you know the the worth of that um it, I do find it sort of interesting when you see a brand, right? Like I won't name any, but they pay a, a lot of money, I know, to have their logo on on a racer's helmet or jersey. Mm-hmm. And all they're really getting is a bike and a trainer, right? Like at the pits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then meanwhile, you know, mountain bikers are grossly underpaid right like you know obviously it's based on visibility i get it but like when you think about the risk to their you know their life right you look at these dudes at the red bull rampage oh yeah or or world cup downhill racers right and it's like you're talking the top couple of dudes are making money and and everybody else is like struggling just to friggin you know sleep in a in their car behind the tent and it's like when when brands are taking big checks and writing it, in, you know, to budgets outside the bicycle world, that's kind of weird. But again, like I said, they're trying to get they're trying to sell business, right? And yeah. and it, I don't know. I mean, maybe it works. Maybe there's a bunch of friggin' moto people that walk around the parking lots at Anaheim and see, you know, somebody pedaling a bike on a trainer, and they're like, "Man, I gotta have Shimano on my road bike." And then and then it works. I don't know. Right, like yeah. maybe it works. <laughs> yeah, how crazy is it that uh, Ryan Dungey is a part owner of Intense? Uh, that that is pretty did, crazy. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading uh, a little bit of that press release um, with uh, yeah him and Gwen and stuff. That was mm. it's definitely interesting, man. Like, yeah. uh, it'll be curious to see where where the brand goes and what that means. But uh, yeah. I guess the guy that must be a mountain biker and he must have seen a decent business opportunity to get involved. Yeah. It seems like Intense and Specialized are the uh, two brands that are duking it out in the motocross world because, like, Intense was a sponsor of the Star Racing Yamaha team. And, mm-hmm. and man, this offseason they switched to Specialized. Yeah. I got a question. Yeah. Why are moto guys afraid of dropper posts? What are you talking about? I got a dropper. Dude, everybody I see, I see all these pictures of these guys, and they're all friggin' running 1998 C posts, man. Yeah. You know, dropper, yeah. po- dropper posts are the best invention of mountain bikes since dual suspension. And I see all these guys, and they're out there with friggin' full height seat tubes. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I just, you know, it's funny as yesterday, I loaned my Epic, which has a dropper on it, to. Okay. A very high level racer who I can't name because he's sponsored by another brand, but he's in mm-hmm. town. And he brought it back this morning. He's like, dude, that dropper is nice coming down. <laughs> See, dude? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
Well, I think, you know, what's funny is like, you know, the intense guys, like uh, the Geico Honda guys, they're all, I think they're not allowed to choose the sniper as their bike from intense. Really? Um, because, you know, Chase Sexton last year was on a sniper. You know, he picks the sniper because it's a cross-country bike that hauls us uphill, right? Right. But then the moto guy is going to charge coming down, and the bike yep. only has four inches of travel, right? So he he bottoms up the front and goes to the bars and breaks the collarbone. So yeah, I think for a moto guy cross-training, why not get a trail bike? Because, A, it's heavier, so it's going to be harder to pedal uphill, and it's better training. Yeah. And, B, it's safer going downhill. Absolutely. I know. It's – uh. Yeah, it's interesting. And they have droppers. And they have droppers and proper tires. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 Drew, you never have ever dabbled on a, a cross country bike in a set of Lycra. Uh, I have. It's just been a couple decades. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the last time—that's not true. I was going to say the last time I wore Lycra is when Barons were still in fashion, but that's not true. I did. Uh, I did the BC bike race a couple of times, um, and uh, I think the first year I did it, I might have worn some Lycra because it was really, really hot out there, and there were some big, long days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that, God, I don't even know what year that was. It was a while ago. Yeah. Other than that, I just keep it on the on the road bike. Yeah. Well, hey, buddy, uh, I think we've uh, we've covered pretty much everything. It's sure been so. – uh, it's sure been fun to uh, uh, a watch you build up the lone wolf and and uh, touch base and compare notes through the years or through the months for me actually. Absolutely, man. But um, so if you are listening, if you ride a mountain bike or have interest in mountain bikes, visit thelonewolf.com, L-O-A-M, Loam, and uh, give it a look because it's uh. I'd say it's the pedal equivalent of Saltwater Live, coolest in the coolest in the uh, in the category. Thanks very much, man. I I appreciate it uh, very much, and um, yeah, it's likewise, man. It's been it's been really cool to watch what you guys are doing, and um, man, I can't. I gotta say, like, I think we probably take notes from each other and and put little influences back and forth on stuff here and there. So it's it's really neat to watch, uh, you know, the the underdogs try to try to stick it out and make yeah, a name man. so Claw, i wish you luck back <laughs> that's it man cool sticking it to the man all right man well i will uh i'll anxiously await my uh my ombre jersey and uh i'll wait for that announcement of who wins that bike <laughs> yeah man cross your fingers but um other than that maybe uh i'll see you at a supercross this year huh yeah, let's hope so, man. I'd, I'd definitely like to get down one. Maybe maybe for Anaheim. We're doing a, a huge e-bike shootout uh, January in Palm Springs. So uh, we're going to take like 15 e-bikes down there and do a massive video oh, review. Yeah, cool. So if that coincides with, uh, with A1, I might see it. Otherwise, we should at least get together and go for a ride down there. Definitely. All right, buddy. Thanks for the time, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, guys, and uh, thanks, Don. Have a good one. We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. 
designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet.